Look at the next statement. Jacob stated, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid. Now, as you go through these, you'll see that you are not the only one who's had fear. You're going to face fear. I have a little bit of fear about my daughter. I have a little bit of fear about my wife. I got a little bit of fear stepping out on the, um, the limb and having a um, fourth missions conference and inviting all the alumni to come. There's always an element of fear. But if you don't do something, you accomplish nothing. But whenever you do something, there's always the human element, the flesh. Because we don't know the outcome. We don't know what people will do. Because so much of our lives depend upon what others are going to do or not do. So we have to live with that. And so I um, wrote down two things, and I think I wrote those on the back. Yeah, just take very quickly and look on the back at the top of the page. Fear sees the problem. Faith sees the solution. So we see problems all the time. And as we get older, we see problems we didn't see 20, 30 years ago. And we know that we're running out of time. And you hope that you um, see, here's my life. And here's my money. And what you want to do is plan on it. Whenever you run out of life, you run out of money at the same time. Wouldn't that be great? But when we're going across here and you see that uh, I'm going to outlive my money, do we have a problem? Then you have a problem. Because you say, well, how am I going to do this when I don't have any of this? Or you see yourself physically having physical problems. Are we going to have Physical problems and financial problems. You name it, we're going to have them. So the next statement I wrote in here, and I've used this many times since I've been here. Courage is fear that says its prayers and goes ahead. You see, whenever he keeps telling them, especially like in the book of Joshua in chapter 1, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Be, therefore, be strong and very courageous. You see, if there is no fear, there's no reason to have courage. Courage is though, even though humanly speaking, you've got fear, but because of God, you've got faith. And your faith should override the fear. Otherwise, none of us would ever do anything that God wants to accomplish in our life. All right, go back to the other page there. You see, Jacob um, stole the birthright. Esau didn't like that. He said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill that brother of mine. His brother ran. Well, anyway, he went over to Laban, worked over there for about 14 years, got him two wives. He only wanted one, but he got two. And he came back, but on the way back, he was kind of scared. He remembered, he remembered 14 years ago, my brother was going to kill me. Now he's coming back and he's afraid. So he says here in verse 31 of Genesis 31, And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid. For I said, peradventure, thou would have taken by force thy daughters from me. This is when he was talking to Laban. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two bands. And he 
let them go one way and he goes to see. So if something happened, he didn't lose everything. Do you think the men of God in the Bible had fear? And they'll face some of the same things you and I will face in our lives to be afraid. Look at number one here. God told Abraham, do not be afraid. I want you to read that verse because that's in Genesis 14. Genesis chapter 14 and verse 1. He had um, been to a battle because of Sodom and Gomorrah. He delivered uh, Lot. And so it says here in uh, verse 20, And blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. He did that to Melchizedek. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Them wicked people. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me. Then he says in chapter 15 and verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, See those two words? Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield. And you ought to underline this, thy exceeding great reward. In other words, you got me. You got me. One of the greatest treasures you'll ever have is you know the Lord. It's not going to be all the possessions that you have and all the securities of life is your greatest security is me and the Lord are like this. And you're walking through life with you and the Lord. There's a song the Trebleers used to sing in Georgia. I heard them back in 1960 to 62. The lady's name was Pauline Phillips. It was just three of them. They called themselves the Trebleers, and they would sing a lot of great songs. I still remember them. I used to get their records, and I'd turn the record player up as loud as it would go, and I'd lay down there, and I'd listen to them, and I'd sing right along with them. You should have heard me singing back in those days. I had all that background music singing with me. The tribulers were singing with me. Well, anyway, I thought it was pretty good. But she wrote a singing song, of just me and my Lord walking together. Just me and my Lord. Me and my Lord. Great song. And so sometimes as you go through life, it's just going to be you and the Lord. And nobody else is going to understand everything. Some things will happen or you'll think and feel and you can't just share it with everybody. And sometimes not, not even the closest person to you because you don't want to put weights upon somebody else that they can't carry. And so it's just going to be you and the Lord. But anyway, I want you to look there at the uh, scripture down at the bottom, number two. God told Moses, do not be afraid. Now, I do want us to go to the book of Exodus and chapter 3. Exodus and chapter 3. Everybody's heard of Moses, Ten Commandments, Charleston Heston. Y'all have heard all of that. So I didn't read the book, but I saw the movie. Well, that's one of the first movies I ever remember seeing. And uh, I was really impressed with that that movie. And I liked it when 
Charleston Heston stood there at the sea and he says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Y'all remember that? And then Yul Brenner, who was Pharaoh, he says, His God is God. Oh, I love that. His God is God. Ah, that's great. But now, what I want you to see here is there's, I used to say there's just five excuses here. But I really, in reading it the other day, I said there's, there's really six. Because you see, 40 years before this happened, before he saw that burning bush, 40 years before that, he had already knew. God wanted him to lead the children of Israel out. And it makes the statements. It talks about that. You go to the book, the book of Acts, and it talks about how that he thought that God was going to deliver him. And somebody says, who made you a judge and a ruler over Israel? Well, the Lord did. But see, he was just 40 years too soon. The timing was wrong. So, because the people didn't want to follow him after he didn't kill the Egyptian... He feared for his life and he ran. Hit on the backside of a desert for 40 years. Now he was uh, learning how to take care of sheep. That was the perfect training for the two million Jewish people he was going to be having to be responsible for. But now notice here. Who am I that I should go? Now that's from verse 1 to verse 12. Who am I? Look what he says here in uh, verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? Who am I that I should go? In other words, like, why me? Why me, Lord? Get somebody else. He gave him a reasons on why he's not the person for the job, and God would always keep talking to him. And then he says in verse 11, Lord, who am I? Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, certainly. And you see those words? I will be with thee. Did you know in most of the places you'll find, there's a whole list of them here about, you know, these men. But in spite of their fear, God did not eliminate their fear. He just says, I'll be with you. And if you'll rest in that truth, that truth can make the fear disappear. But you've got to have something that's greater than the fear. And this is why there's nothing greater than the Lord. So whenever you're going through life, there's fears, yes. But God is greater than the problem. You see, whenever we hear about, you know, David and Goliath, what was Goliath? Nothing but a big problem. But he saw a solution to the problem. And the other Jewish men in the army didn't see the solution to the problem. But David knew there's a solution to this problem. I know the Lord. And as you go through the Lord, the thing that will help you more than anything is your strength and your faith that you have in the Lord. And you trust him and see that God can do all these things for you. Look what it says in verse 13 and 14. Because the question now is, Lord, um, who are you? Who am I? Who are you? 
So he says in verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he says, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. What a name. I am. I am that I am. He says, you just tell them that. So God answers his objections. He's afraid the people are going to say blah, 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 because he was there before and the people didn't believe him. You see, he doesn't want to go back and rehash this failure that he had the first time because that's exactly what's going to happen. But now it's different because the Lord says, I will be with you. I will be with you. The timing is right. The timing was not right before. Did you know sometimes God is not against answering your prayers, just that now is not the right time to do it. Sometimes he may let you wait five years, maybe 10 years, 15 or 20 years. Just because he doesn't jump when you snap your finger doesn't mean God doesn't hear and God doesn't know and God don't answer. It's just there's time and it's involved. He knows when the best time is to answer your prayer. Look at the next one in chapter 4 and verse 1. Chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me. See, every one of these has to deal with fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm not the man for the job. Who, who am I? And I'm afraid. I don't even know who you are. Who are you? What's your name? And God has to dispel some fear. But he got questions. All the questions and the doubts that we have, see, has to be answered somehow. Because they are loaded with fear. And fear is a sex crusher. It means that you're afraid of what's going to happen. That's why some people don't witness because they're afraid to witness. They don't want nobody to go to hell, but they're afraid. What are they afraid of? Because it comes back on them. There's something. So he says, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. How do I prove to them you sent me? And so there's that fear. I can't prove anything. How do I answer them? So these questions are the results of fear. But the Lord assured him, says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Look in chapter 4 and verse 10. Now this ought to fit a lot of us. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, for I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. In other words, I'm not that articulate. I can't talk like some people. I got a brother, his name is Aaron. Boy, you ought to hear that guy talk. He's really good. And the Lord says, well, look in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go. Did God want to accept his answer? He was still responsible. God still wanted him to do it. But Moses didn't want to do it. I can't talk. Well, is he afraid? You see, fear can destroy a person. And we can use excuses, but usually an excuse is just a reason stuffed with a lie. And so now look in verse 13. 
It's like saying, Lord, just get somebody else. And he said, oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Get, get somebody else to do the job. Well, the Lord, see, already knew that Aaron was on his way, walking through this desert. And how in the world they can find each other? I don't know if they had cell phones, GPS, or what, but they found each other in the desert. And he came. Now look in verse 19. Verse 19, the timing is right. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return into Egypt. For all the men are dead which sought thy life. Did God know that there was people who sought his life? Evidently. God knew that. And Moses was afraid to go back. Why? Because there was people down there that wanted to kill him. But he says, they're dead now. Forty years has passed. Now God has got to talk him into doing something that he wanted to do 40 years before. Now look in verse 29. You know, there's, there's results or consequences. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked upon their afflictions, then they bowed their heads and they worshipped. Now that's wonderful. But you know that's not the end of the story. There's a lot of things that happened. But there has to be a beginning. You see, a lot of people are willing to start the race with the Lord. But can you maintain the race? Can you maintain the walk? Can you finish your course? Can you finish? And can you finish well? Like Paul says, I want to finish my course with joy. I don't want to finish my course as a mean old man. I want to finish my course because I'm happy doing what God wants me to do. There's a joy there. Now, look at the back page. As you go down through here, and you see, and God had told them, in various ways, fear not, be not afraid, all that, but it still boils down to the same thing. Uh, they had fear. But God had to assure every one of them, now look, I, I am with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And down at the bottom, the last thing I have down here is, and God told me. God told, you know, Mary and Joseph and Peter and Jairus and Paul and John. And God told me, be not afraid, for I am with thee. Look at this verse. I love this verse. In Isaiah 41 and verse 10, fear thou not. Why do you think this is mentioned over and over again in the scriptures? Remember there in the John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Be not afraid, be not afraid. Why? Because people are afraid. They're afraid. Why were the disciples in the upper room with the doors locked? They were afraid. There was fear. They killed Jesus. What are they going to do to us? And they were afraid. But it's amazing how that um, your faith in the Lord can grow stronger and stronger. You won't believe this because I know it's hard for you to believe it. When I was in school, they asked different ones of us to either sing a song, get up in the front, and do something. Man, I was scared to death, petrified. I could not carry on a logical conversation in front of people, especially in a classroom situation. I was totally scared to death. 
they decided they were going to have a play. They're going to put on a play. And they needed somebody like me. And I only had one line to remember. One line. They had one guy named Daryl. And that kid, he was a... About my age, but the kid seemed like he could remember everything. And he was an actor. He could do everything. Me, I'd stand there like a, a, a frog on a log. I, I had no clue. I couldn't follow anything. And they always had to keep telling me what to do and when to do it. And so the night of the program, the night of the program, we've rehearsed, rehearsed, rehearsed. And then we got ready that night, and he was supposed to open up a suitcase and pull out some of the stuff and so forth. He was throwing it everywhere. And I had one line. All I had to do was one little line. And I looked out there, and I saw all those people. My mind went blank, and I can remember <laughs> trying to tell me what to say. I don't remember what the line is today. I never did learn it. Scared to death, petrified. And then I went to Florida Bible College. And I was still scared to get up in front of people. But I had to come to the conclusion. Why am I so afraid? I'm afraid. But why? And I had to get down to the very fact that I'm not going to measure up. I can't do as good as so-and-so or so-and-so. They're better than I am. And I compared. Seen the contrast. And then finally one day. After taking Dr. Cameron's adult class, I realized if God wanted Dr. Cameron, he should have got Dr. Cameron. And if he wants Ray Stanford, let him get Ray Stanford. But if God gave it to me, he must want me. And I'm just going to be me. And I don't have to worry about what anybody else says or thinks. I'm just going to be me and do what I'm supposed to do. And I had to take and get to the place where the consequences of people not being told the gospel was greater than my fear of not telling the gospel. Because I knew I was going to heaven and I knew they're going to go to hell if they don't hear the gospel. There's always a battle going on in your mind because there's a fear. I can, yes, I've done weddings and I've done funerals and yet I had radio ministry for eight years and I had to do video and, and all that kind of stuff. And there was times when I thought... Who do I think I am? And I thought, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And I just don't want people to go to hell. And I have to overcome the negative part of it and just go ahead and do what I believe that God wants me to do. But do I have any fear? I don't have as much as I used to because I'm getting older and I don't care as much. <laughs> no. Because I've done, done it so many times, I can... I guess I do bluff my way a little bit here and there. Uh, we was going to sing a special one day, and I was as nervous as I could possibly be. When we did that one song, The Haven of Rest, and I, I found out, I think it was that morning, it might have been, well, I don't know when it was, but anyway, I'm supposed to stand over there, and Peter said, do this here, and we're going to do this, and we're going to go back here and read this, and then we're going to take and do this from here, and we're going to leave this and out here. We're going to have music here, we're not going to have music here. And my mind's going... <laughs> So I stood over my paper, and lo and behold, I did remember most of it. Or I watched whatever they said do. I was, but there was fear. But not total fear, but enough to make me pay attention to what they're doing. And when I'm coming, because I don't usually come in right. And so, serving the Lord is fun.
But listen, if you're here tonight or if you're watching by internet, and it's amazing how many people we've had trust the Lord on the internet just lately. And I'm thankful to the Lord for the ministry God's given us. But if you're here and you've never trusted the Lord, the best way I can explain is let this hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. But for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect, no sin. But nobody's perfect. We've all come short of God's perfection. So to go to heaven, no sin. How do I get rid of it? God says you have to pay for it. So that means that we've all sinned, so we all have to pay for our sins. I can't pay for yours. You can't pay for mine because everybody's guilty of their own. So we can't pay for one another's sin. We are in debt ourselves. And that's a, a literal separation from God for all eternity in a literal fire burning hell. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world. He had no sin. We do. He didn't have to die. He never did anything wrong. But because he loved us and hates our sin, because our sin separates us from him, Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God says that if we would believe he did it for us, he'd put this payment to our account, and we would get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. That was the best news I ever heard in my life. That's the best news I've ever found worth living for, to give, to share with somebody, because so many people do not know where they're going to spend eternity. And we're blessed. We know that. But a lot of people don't know it. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't have anything for you to sign I'm just going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. But that's just to let me know if what I said made sense to you. And you said, Preacher, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you've already trusted the Lord, you don't have to do it again. But if you've never trusted Him, would you put your confidence and trust in Him, believing that when He died, He died for you. And that by trusting Him, He gives you everlasting life, that He'll never cast you out and never lose you. Would you believe it? If you're watching by internet, right on the screen it says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done so before, would you trust him right now? Raising your hand does not save you. It's just your way of telling me I'm accepting Christ as my Savior. Is there anyone at all before we close that preached that made sense to me and I'll trust Christ as my Savior? Would you just slip in it very quickly, put it right back down? No one at all. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. And we thank you, Lord, for those that trust you as Savior, even by watching on the Internet. And some later on on YouTube, even though it's been a month or a year later, the message is still the same. We thank you for all you've done for us. We ask your blessings upon Ranch tomorrow night. And Father, also upon Friday. And for those that will be going to Friday night soul winning, and just blessing everything that needs to be done. For your honor and glory, in Christ's name, amen.